Welcome to the Benton Heights Presbyterian Church Podcast. We're excited you've joined us as we hear what God has to say to us through Scripture and this message from Pastor Paul. Today is the second sermon in a series, nine-week series, of journeying through the Bible, rediscovering the foundation that we would have in God's Word to become passionate, fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. This is about us following Him as individuals and as a church. I stated last week that I don't know, I don't know what God has in store for us, but I do know this. God has called us as a church to a whole lot more. Now, don't get me wrong. There's a lot that we do well. But one of my favorite sayings is, the best is yet to come. I truly believe that if the best were behind us, then we better go ahead and make preparations to close this church eventually. I simply don't believe that's the case. And if we're faithful to God, we will become what He wants us to be. But we won't be ready if we don't stay in touch with the truth of His Word. And that's what this series is all about. You see, it's the same as a lot of things. It will lose its luster after a while if we're not diligent. So the idea of rediscovering the Bible is so that we can continue to be an influence, continue to make an impact in this community. Again, the idea of rediscovery, because over time, those things we once considered important, enjoyable, significant, can lose their impact. For instance, think of your favorite meal or your favorite restaurant. Maybe that favorite meal or that favorite restaurant you only attempt every now and then on special occasions. But what if that were your go-to place for every meal? Or what if your favorite meal was your every meal? Without a fresh perspective and a new approach, you'll finally get to that point where you're asking or saying, not this again. For me and my family, one of those special places is the Daniel Boone Inn in Boone, North Carolina. We're only in that area once or twice a year, and so we always try to make it there for a meal. If you've been there, you know the routine. It starts with soup or salad, depending upon what time of year. Then they bring out the fried chicken, the country-style steak, and the ham biscuits, the mashed potatoes, the corn, the green beans, the slaw, the stewed apples, the dessert, and the drink. We love it. But I wouldn't love it if I had to eat that every single meal. We'd eventually get to the point where as a family we'd go, not that again. Or think geographically. It seems like a majority of this congregation loves to vacation at the coast. There's a lot to draw you there, especially if you have a young family. There's a lot to see and do. But now let's suppose that you take up stakes and move. Not to retire yet, but you decide we love the beach so much, we're going to relocate. And maybe it's great for a while. You're enjoying the sun and the waves and the strolls along the beach and the incredible sunsets. But at some point in time in the not-too-distant future, you're going to have to go to work. 
School will start again, and you will have to settle back into a busy routine. What's going to happen is over time, the special qualities that initially drew you to the coast, you're going to start to take for granted and maybe even stop realizing how special they are. You see, rediscovery is critical to all of us because we humans, we hear the same thing over a certain time period or experience the same thing over time, they become less and less of an impact and influence on our lives. We sort of lose that first sense of enjoyment and importance we once had. You read the Bible. You hear it week after week. You see it on the screen as we read it together. But like anything, if you don't make time to read it on your own, it slowly can go away. And over time, if you're not careful, you stop opening it up because you don't find anything life-giving about it. It just doesn't come alive for you. So here's what we're about today. Taking one step closer to making the Bible come back to life for you. We want to see if we can re-engage and rediscover the Bible. Today, we're going to read a parable from the Gospel of Mark. Now, this parable is also told in two other Gospels, Matthew and guess which other one? Luke, I will spare you because we read Luke for two and a half years. We'll read it out of Mark today. Before I begin, let me say this. One of the wonderful aspects of Scripture, especially in the Gospel stories, is that we know that Jesus is speaking to a specific audience. It may be just one person or two. It may be a group like the disciples, or as in the case of this parable, it's a large crowd. But in every case, Jesus is not just speaking to that first century audience, He's also speaking to us. So this has meaning for us now. Mark chapter 4, again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around Him was so large that He got in a boat and sat in it out on the lake, while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables, and in his teaching said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places, where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came out, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up grew and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. Then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Just so you know, this was not a teaching moment on how to be a better farmer. This was a teaching moment for everyone who hears to do a little reflection. A little reflection about what? Well, we'll get to that in just a moment. Mark continues, when Jesus was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked him about the parables. He told them 
The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables so that they may be ever seen but never perceiving and ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Aha, now we're starting to get the interpretation of this parable. The seed wasn't just literal seed that the farmer was throwing out. It was a metaphor for God's word, for the Bible. The seed is the Bible. And Jesus says, some people are like, so now this is that reflection part. What am I supposed to reflect upon in hearing this? Is what type of soil am I? What type of soil are you? And what Jesus is going to do is take each type of soil, the four that have already been read, and interpret this parable in relation to how each person handles the Scriptures. Some people are like seed along the path where the Word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the Word that was sown in them. So the first type of soil is referred to as the path, or we could say hard ground. The, the footpath is so trampled upon that it has become as hard as concrete. You throw seed on it, you don't expect anything to grow. This may describe some of us at one time or another. You know, in those times where God's message came, and it doesn't mean that necessarily is someone who's completely hostile to God, you know, like, forget you, God, I, I don't need you, you mean nothing to me. Now, that certainly does describe some people. But maybe for you, it's indifference to God. My life is going fine. I don't need the guilt. I mean, isn't that what God is all about, pointing out my flaws and failures? No thanks, I'm good. So what might be the cause of someone completely closed off to the things of God? Well, there's fear. Afraid of what God might say. I might have to change my lifestyle if I listen to God. I might lose my fun. I might lose my freedom. I might lose my idea of fulfillment. He might make me a fanatic. I don't want to become some kind of Jesus freak. Another thing that might close someone off to God is pride. I don't need God. Everything I've got, I did it on my own. The fact is that if I listen to God, I might have to face up to some of my shortcomings, and I don't want to do that. I don't need God's help and advice. Or the third thing that might close someone off from God is bitterness. Look, life is tough. And we all go through struggles and pains. We all experience hurts. But if you're not careful, those things can cause you to harden your life. It's you saying, I'm going to build a wall around me. 
So never again am I going to allow anyone or anything to hurt me. Bitterness. It makes you a hard person and you can't hear what God wants to say to you. You can be bitter at God. God, why did you allow this? You can be bitter at another Christian. You know, one of the things that keeps people away from church who have been attending a church is that they've been burned by another Christian. Never let another person or event destroy your relationship with God. Don't let any event, no matter how much it hurt, or any person, no matter how much they've hurt you, keep you from your relationship with God or else they've hurt you twice. Jesus continues, others, like seed sown on rocky places, so we've seen the path, now it's rocky places, they hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. If you've been a believer for quite a number of years, try to think back to the time when Jesus made sense to you for the, for the first time, where it seemed like all the pieces of the puzzle came together. It wasn't just, oh, I go to church because I have to go. My family makes me, or my parents won't have any other way. But it finally became real to you, and you owned your faith. You said, yes, I believe in Jesus for myself. Maybe it happened at a church camp. Maybe during vacation Bible school, a youth conference, a youth meeting, a, a crusade that was an extended time. And what happened as a result? You got excited and it was a mountaintop experience for you. So why am I putting that in the rocky soil scenario? Because if Jesus became real to you at any of those events, chances are you were away from home and the speaker was engaging and interesting, something different than Sundays. Some of y'all got that. And at those conferences, what happens? You're talking about Jesus all week long. Those of you that grew up going to the Great Escape or Fun in the Sun with us, or as the youth group goes now to, to week-long camps, it's easy because everybody's doing it. You're talking about Jesus. Everybody may be carrying a Bible or at least now a Bible app. <laughs> and you get to that point where it's, man, I love Jesus. And I've accepted him in my life. Well, that's great, isn't it? It is until the week ends and if you don't keep growing in your faith and you don't share that newfound faith with somebody who's going to keep encouraging you, then you're just going to go back home, back to school, back to the same old stuff. In other words, you simply return to life as usual, and before you know it, that mountaintop experience is a thing of the past. You can't maintain the enthusiasm on your own. That's why verse 16 says they received it with joy at first. They're thrilled at first, but they're not transformed. As a result, verse 17, when problems arise, when the heat is on, they dry up and blow away. 
and then there's thorny ground. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. If I were to poll this room asking you to describe your life right now in a one-word adjective, I bet these are the ones that I'd hear most. Busy, crazy, chaotic, stressful. That's how it feels all the time. Every aspect of life is competing for attention, and my walk with Jesus has to battle this every day. You know it's true if you've got kids. Or if you don't have kids or or they're older, maybe it's your job. If it's not your job, you've got some other worries. You look at your bank account, it's never enough. Or you look at the gas tank, what, it's empty again? Jesus is competing with so much in life, and instead of aiming at Him, He's simply on the same plane as everything else around us. It's not that you're not meaning to pray and read the Bible and do quiet time. It's just that you let everything else crowd out that time. And believe me, the people crowding around Jesus that day had it just as bad. Their lives, too, were busy and crazy and chaotic. The Romans were oppressing them. They didn't have enough money. They were scrambling for work. The weather might not have cooperated with their crops. They had poopy diapers to change to. The big idea is this. You can always be on the go and just be going in circles. There's a difference between activity and productivity. A big difference. You may just be spinning your wheels and God can't get through to you because your mind is so preoccupied. Finally, there's the good soil. Jesus closes the parable with this. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. What's so good about the good soil? It produces fruit. That means it's making an impact on your life. This is making an impact on your life, and your life is making an impact on others. You're changing your relationships for the better. You're putting God at the center. You're finding forgiveness, and you're ending bitterness. Now, as I stated last week, this isn't going to happen by chance. Unless you choose to be good soil day after day after day, it's not going to happen. So how do we do it? How do we combat indifference? and waning enthusiasm and competing allegiances and being stressed by deliberately plugging in on our own, take this book to heart and then put ourselves in a position to receive regular encouragement, be a part of a Sunday school class, a Bible study group, a youth group. There's so many things we've got opportunities for. And if You're still, you're like, okay, I'm trying those, I'm doing those, I like those, but there's still something more than let's start something together. To me, the hope that comes from striving to be good soil, if you work at making God the center of your life, if you work at taking Jesus' truth 
and so it'll take root and grow, I can promise you a harvest. Those aren't my words. Those are Jesus' words. How do you know you're being good soil? It's when you show patience to someone for whom it's hard to be around. It's when you offer forgiveness to your spouse. It's when you decide to sacrificially give to something that God has placed on your heart. It's when Jesus becomes more than just a passing thought. We're on a quest to become passionate, fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Maybe you need to say, maybe you need to make this your prayer, Jesus, I want to open my mind, I want to open my heart, I want to open my life to you. I don't understand at all, but I want to understand enough. I know that you can make a difference in my life. Come on in. We hope you found this message to be encouraging. We'd love for you to join us on Sunday mornings. Find us on Facebook and Instagram and at bhprez.org for more information.